the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we turn our attention to the proclaiming of Scripture, let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the Scriptures are read, and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Listen to God's word to you. The Lord declares, Am I a God who is only nearby and not far off? Can people hide themselves in secret places so I might not see them? Don't I fill heaven and earth? I have heard the prophets prophesying lies in my name. They claim, I've had a dream. I've had a dream. How long will deceitful prophecies dominate the minds of the prophets? Those prophets are treacherous. They scheme to make my people forget me by their dreams that people tell to each other, just as their ancestors forgot me because of Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream declare it, but let the one who has my word proclaim it faithfully. What a difference between straw and wheat, declares the Lord. Isn't my word like fire? and like a hammer that shatters rock, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, God is still speaking. Jesus said, I came to cast fire upon the earth. How I wish that it was already ablaze. I have a baptism I must experience. How distressed am I until it is completed? Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, I have come instead to bring division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, and two against three. Father will square off against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud forming in the west, you immediately say, It's going to rain. And indeed it does. And when a south wind blows, you say, a heat wave is coming. And it does. 
hypocrites. You know how to interpret conditions on earth and in the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret the present time? And why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going to court with your accuser, make your best effort to reach a settlement along the way. Otherwise, your accuser may bring you before the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison. I tell you, you won't get out of there until you have paid the very last cent. The word of the Lord. During a service at an old synagogue in Eastern Europe, when a particular prayer was said, half of the congregation stood up and half remained seated. The half that was seated started yelling at those standing to sit down. And the one standing yelled at the one sitting to stand up. Well, the new rabbi learned as he was in Torah and the commentaries, didn't know what to do. His congregation suggested that he consult a housebound 98-year-old man who was one of the original founders of their synagogue. The rabbi hoped that the elderly man would be able to tell him what the actual tradition was. So he went to the nursing home with a representative of each faction of the congregation. The one whose followers stood during the prayer asked the old man, is the tradition to stand during the prayer? The old man answered, no, that is not the tradition. The one whose followers sat said, then the tradition is to sit. No, that is not the tradition. Then the poor rabbi said to the old man, but the congregants fight all the time, yelling at each other about whether they should sit or stand. The old man interrupted, exclaiming, that is the tradition. (laughs) Unlike our Jewish sisters and brothers, Christians by and large tend to be less tolerant of conflict and tension. At one extreme, we bury our feelings below the surface, hiding our simmering rage under a smiling face, certain that we would die of embarrassment instantly if anger or hurt ever spoke plainly. At the other extreme, we exchange the golden calf of harmony for the golden calf of my way or the highway. The issue could be as trivial as the color of the carpet or as compelling as the abolition of slavery. In nine times out of 10, communities split apart. We here are somewhere between those extremes, likely all of us uncomfortable with Jesus's outburst. I came to cast fire on the earth. Do you think I have come to bring peace? Uh, Jesus, hi, Jesus, longtime follower, first time caller. Yeah, uh, 
What about those angels? You know, uh, the ones who appeared to the shepherds as they were tending their flocks by night? You know, great news of great joy. You were born. Didn't those angels sing about peace on earth? If not, then we really need to rewrite our Christmas carols. Peace on earth. The angels sang to the shepherds. You know, that's one of our more cherished images of peace, isn't it? That stillness that settles over us on Christmas Eve, perhaps when the lights dim, and we sing silent night in the soft glow of a sea of little candles. It is the world as it should be, a temporary pause amidst holiday stress and family conflict. All is calm. All is bright. When we sing of that holy infant so tender and mild, we tend to forget that he grew up. We forget that eight days after angels surprised the shepherds, Mary and Joseph took the holy infant to the temple where an old man named Simeon predicted that he would be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many would be revealed. We forget how 30 years later, when people gathered at the riverbanks to hear John the Baptist preach, he told them, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And let's not forget, after his first sermon, the congregation in Nazareth wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff. When the angels sang glad tidings of peace, they sang to shepherds, folks who worked on the lowest rung in the social ladder. The peace that Jesus brings, the peace of God's kingdom that he gives us to share, lifts up people like those shepherds, those who are low. For the rest of us, his message isn't all sweetness and light. Picture Jesus in your mind saying, I have come to cast fire on the earth and how I wish it were already ablaze. If, like me, your initial impression of Jesus is Jesus holding a tank of kerosene and a lighter, then I suspect, like me, you associate conflict with destruction. But we don't have to think this way. John the Baptist already gave us a new image, baptism. Instead of dousing us with fuel and watching us burn, Jesus longs for us to let him dunk us headfirst into a life that burns brightly with the flames of the Holy Spirit. Fire transforms completely, and conflict, conflict can be the crucible for that spirit-inspired change in an individual and in the world. 
There was an old house on a poor and run-down street in Paris where the spirit's flames danced and shone. One person who visited this house on Rue du Lormel described the crowds of people passing through at all hours. In particular, he noted the poor, ragged, unemployed, forgotten and abandoned. Everyone is being fed, attempts made to find work for all, and mainly, everyone is received with love and brotherliness. In the middle of everything, a large, red-cheeked, always smiling woman in monastic garb, flitting about in some unstoppable, seamless action. She is making soup in the kitchen. She is sweeping stairs. She is painting icons on the damp walls of the garage chapel. And in the evenings, she is sitting in the half-lit, sparse living room, greedily absorbing a passionately debated lecture. That red-cheeked woman was a Russian Orthodox nun with unkempt hair. Her name was Mother Maria Skoltsova. Twice divorced and free-spirited, with a cigarette occasionally on her lips, Mother Maria was not your typical nun. She turned away from the Abbey, preferring, in the words of her friend Alexander Bukharev, to be fire and coals lit in the middle of the city. She served the poor and homeless, always lifting up the humanity of those in need. Maria didn't want her work to be like some run-of-the-mill charity where some perform charitable actions while others receive the charity, make way for those who are next in line, and then disappear from view. Instead, she passionately argued that we should not give away a single piece of bread unless the recipient means something as a person to us. But the winds shifted. Just as Jesus's listeners could tell that a south wind blowing up from the Arabian desert brought with it a heat wave, Maria saw Hitler's rise to power in Germany and knew that her discipleship would bring her into conflict with the Nazi regime. She began receiving Jewish refugees and refused to leave Paris when the Nazi army advanced. Maria did not mince words when it came to Nazism. She said it was the new paganism, evil unveiled, the contaminator of all wells and springs, the so-called master race was, in her words, led by a madman who needs a straitjacket and should be placed in a cork-lined room so that his bestial wailing will not disturb the world at large. In 1943, Maria was betrayed and sent to Ravensbrück concentration camp, where she died a few months before Allied forces liberated the camps. As Maria's friend Liv Gillette wrote, wherever a soul lets itself be set alight by the Lord love, 
everywhere, in streets, in squares, along hedges, prisoners, refugees, and the homeless, wherever an upsurge of sacrifice makes men and women turn on distress and rise up against injustice, the sacred flame spreads. Now recognized as a saint by our Orthodox sisters and brothers, Mother Maria answered Jesus' wish that the earth would be ablaze. She submitted herself to the Spirit's fire of transformation. Maria discerned the signs of the times, but she knew that Jesus was the sign the sign of God's coming kingdom, the sign that God was doing something impossible, unthinkable in human history. Folks, in a world, in a nation, never lacking for issues to debate or to divide us, let Jesus be the reason that we are called into conflict. We will not fear conflict because we have received the gift of peace. Our peace doesn't come from behaving nicely. Our peace doesn't come from staying neutral, not rocking the boat. As the letter to the Ephesians claims, Christ is our peace. With his own body, he broke down the many barriers that divide. On the cross, he made us one body and reconciled us to God. This is not a quiet peace. It is a noisy peace spoken in many languages and sung in many keys. This is not a cool peace. It's a fiery peace, passionate and persistent. It is not a detached peace. It is a peace bent on the well-being of the community, going back to the original sense of the word political. It is a peace that is engaged and immersed in the world that God so loved. It is fire and coals in the midst of the city. Christ is our peace. But that peace came with a price. Jesus so longed to experience the Spirit's fiery baptism that he continued walking to Jerusalem, where people who found his message too controversial turned him over to be executed on a cross. As followers of Jesus, we trust that whatever price we pay for discipleship is better than the cost of bowing down to any golden calf that fuels our fear of conflict. Settle with your accuser, Jesus says, which is to say, face the reality of the times in which you live and serve me, be my disciple now, rather than wind up in the prison of loneliness or anxiety, unable to do anything. These are not easy words to hear. 
Unlike silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, Jesus' words don't lend themselves to Christmas carols, but they are words we need. Franz Kafka wrote, we ought to read only books that wound us. If the book we're reading doesn't wake us up with a blow to the head, why are we reading? A book, Kafka said, must be the axe for the frozen sea within us. Beloved friends, the words of Jesus are for us in the words of the prophet Jeremiah like a hammer that shatters rock. Christ, our peace, shatters the truce we have made with fear. Christ, our peace, releases us from the freezing paralysis of staying safe. Christ, our peace, reminds us that God is not far off, and neither is God's kingdom. The kingdom is near, in our midst, inviting each of us to catch its spark and burn bright. May we heed the words of Jesus and let our lives catch fire with his transforming grace. For such grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to the one and three, the three in one, God most mighty, most merciful, most wise. Amen.